You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Waddle, Waddle! Tua, shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown! Okay. It's Waddle! His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of the day. Drive Time with Travis Wingfield begins... Now, let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Draft Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, it was a tough tape watch. We are unpacking another loss, cathartic, therapeutic. Those are the words I'm hoping to use to describe this episode. We'll take a look at the All-22 the numbers and break it all down before hearing from head coach Mike McDaniel and his Monday afternoon press conference from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time. That's another Miami Dolphins. Let's go ahead and pull the bandaid off right away here and start with the offense and the quarterback. And honestly, this tape was sensational through three quarters. Even some throws in between the interceptions were great throws from the quarterback, but you're going to look back at this game and three plays that undid the entire thing for the QB. It starts off with a great throw to Tyreek with a free hitter right in Tua's face where the ball is out before Tyreek even throttles down on the route. And this is one of Tua's best traits on this play where he can layer the football. And what that means is a certain level of touch and location to put the ball in a spot that is not about like the velocity or the trajectory. It's just a certain type of finesse on the throw that gets it up over a certain level and then back down with just a certain amount of torque and spin. And that's arm talent. That's, that's all about what throwing the football successfully is all about. He's got that touch and feel to lay that thing out with the right amount of pace so Tyreek can finish the route, get his head back to the football and locate it and not have to look back at a line drive that's five feet from his face and try to react in time for that. And for two of the balls thrown perfectly into a pocket between three Packers defenders, and he does this under pressure from an awkward platform. The tape was full of throws like this all early on in this game. I didn't think the initial third down deep shot to Tyreek Hill was a defensive pass interference like I saw a lot of folks on Twitter calling for. I thought it was really good coverage. And you see the power of Tyreek and that he still uncovers at the very end. Tua needed a perfect ball, no margin for error on that throw. He just left it a tad inside. Let's break down the Waddle touchdown. First, what a great call and design. It's a two-man route with Waddle and Tyreek. It's run from 21 personnel, so you get the Packers' base defense on the field, and they pull a safety down into the box, trying to account for the extra two gaps you created by putting Durham Smythe and Alec Ingold attached to the formation. Ingold did go in motion towards the fake toss side to the boundary side of the formation, and that held the attention of literally all eight box defenders, And this is why that opening drive and the run game success can be so vital. The Packers knew after those consistent seven to eight yard rips on tape that they needed an answer to the Dolphins running game. And Miami probably knew that too. So they played off of it. We mentioned the Packers playing that cover three really all year long. And on the back end of their blitzes, they'll drop into that cover three. Same deal here. The middle of the field safety took a poor angle and ran it right into a block of Tyreek Hill Let's give some more love to Tua here because 
This is an over route that takes time to develop, even with Waddle's speed off the line. So the weak side end, who has run responsibility for the cutback and slash will flatten down the line in pursuit of the run away from him, once he sees two with the football, he converts that pursuit to a rush of the quarterback and is free because they have eight against our seven, and he's the unblocked man off the edge of the formation. The play fake takes care of the unblocked man but you still have to deal with pressure in your face. So the run action puts pause on that defender, which you needed because if he ran right at Tua, that play blows up from the start. But when Tua gets back into a throwing position off of play pass, Waddle is just barely breaking inside the numbers to that side of the field, to the boundary. He would eventually catch the ball on the hash on the other side of the field, so he really covered like half the football field. Tua from a fadeaway off the back foot throws it right before Waddle clears the two backers, and that had gotten depth after the initial surge forward, but it was too much and too late. So it's a great play by the quarterback to that point, and then the Penguin and Cheetah just take over from there. I love how Tyreek misses the block initially, but then busts his butt to get right back into position to really make the key block downfield for Waddle. Also, Waddle's acceleration from leaving his feet and then hitting back on the ground is insane to me. He's kind of like one of those wind-up cars that you pull back on the table and then let go and it takes off. He just has unreal 0-60 to speed. Then he makes a move that leaves Jair Alexander in the dust, and then it's a race to see who can run 35 yards fastest, and the answer is 17 there. He hit the fifth fastest speed on the play of anybody in the NFL this year at 21.65 miles per hour, and it was the fastest time by a wide receiver on a touchdown catch this season. Connor Williams on that play, by the way, prevented Kenny Clark from penetration with a quick upfield first step that could have impacted the play if 58 did not cut him off. So tip of the cap there too. What a great play all the way around. And the good plays continued. That scramble where Tua has Tyreek on the on the rail route and then Waddle on the slant, but the Packers took both away. It's another free hitter. Tua makes the man miss and scrambles for five on second and five, but it's a hold on Connor Williams. And then the next play is an errant snap. These are the kind of things I think Mike was talking about after the game. That's a two-play sequence that we just haven't seen much of all year. And it takes us from first and 10 at the plus 35 to punting on our own side of the field. That's giving away drives. And we'll talk about one later in this game too before the second interception where Miami had a chance to go and take a lead but then winds up being behind the chains and goes from first and goal to first and 15 at the 30-yard line. You're giving away drives. You're giving away points. You do it multiple times in a game. That's how you wind up with a game tape where I'm sitting here watching it saying, if I don't know the score of this game, I don't know the flags coming out because you can't really see them on tape unless you look for the yellow hankies. I'm thinking the Dolphins won this game by three or four scores. But you look at the end of the day, and it's not that way because these key moments with key critical errors, it's got to stop happening at some point. It's week 16. When will that stop happening? It's killing this offensive production and the win-loss column as a result. I could argue the last three games should have been Dolphins wins, but these little errors like this keep poking up and causing you to not win these close games. That's how you lose close games. Every game in the NFL typically comes down to one score, like on, on balance. When you have errors like this, you're going to lose those one-score games. It's happening here the last few weeks for Miami Dolphins, and they have to get it corrected by next week. Tyreek then catches a glance behind the linebackers under that cover three coverage and does this little pirouette at the time of the tackle where he almost spun out of the tackle. And I just want to make a mention of this because watching him, like it defies the basic rules of science. The low center of gravity he has, the power and speed he has in those legs, it produces moments like this where you're like, hmm, 
Didn't know gravity could be changed like that, but apparently Tyreek Hill can do that. Back to more good Tua. After the Armstead hold, the Packers drop seven on first and 20, and we get Tyreek on a speed out with Gasicki running up the sideline. And this might have been my favorite play from Tua of the day. Haven't gotten to the deep shot yet, so we'll see if that surpasses it. But Tua does this expedited pump fake that pulls the cloud corner off that side down to the speed out, and it springs to uh, Mike Gasicki rather free into that level of the defense. But before Tua's even finishing the pump, he's already got his feet set to make the throw, and he resets it all in this one motion, and the ball's out like like within a half of a pump fake. It's really crazy if you haven't had a chance to go back and watch it. One of the more uncanny pump fakes I've ever seen. And because of that, Mike clears the corner and the ball is in there before that half field safety can close and put a big hit on our guy. Mike then fell down because Yak doesn't happen at that position. But I want to get to the fourth quarter because this tape right now is absolutely sizzling. It's really good. And again, first and 15 after another procedural penalty. We heard Tua break this down that the Packers were in a hybrid coverage. He called it six strong, quarters to one side, cover two to the other. He climbs the pocket from pressure, hitches up, anticipating a bomb throw. And you see Waddle occupy the field deep third safety in that cover three once again. And the middle third safety cheats down on Waddle. So you're getting this give and take now between Waddle and Tyreek, where it's not just takeaway 10. We have to contend with 17 as well. And when he catches 84-yard touchdowns, Nadoa and that clears the the post for Tyreek Hill. And Tua lets it fly from his own 40 with Tyreek at the 27-yard line just inside the numbers of the boundary. And I don't think you could throw it much better. He could have put it one yard further and probably scores a touchdown. But if you're mad about that on a throw 50 yards away, then you, you don't understand like how difficult the percentage of that throw is. But it hits him right in the bread basket just before the defenders converge. And at this point, he's right under 200 yards passing in the first half. At one point in this game, he was 7 for 10 with, two, with 210 yards and a touchdown. How do you lose that game, man? I am still... Ah. The first and 17 throw to Waddle after the fake punt stop and the hold on Big Rob Hunt. That was a beautiful piece of timing from the entire offense. Again, just looking unstoppable. And it makes sense why McDaniel said nobody in that locker room expected the result they got when they went in for the halftime break. They were absolutely rolling. Now, Tua had a couple of bad plays after this. He missed an open Gasicki and Tyreek looking right at them on a sack on the next play. Just didn't play that one decisively. But then after a sack, we convert on third and 14 with another seed. This one to Trent Sherfield, where he steps up from pressure off the edge and fires it before Sherfield cl- uh, clears the hook backer and settles him in right in front of the safety. Multiple big-time throws in this tape. Then another sack that I think was on Tua. Two sacks on this drive where his initial reads were open. Got to clean that up. The first drive of the second half, great throw, great route by Waddle on a deep whip. That's a route you usually see at the five to eight yard range where you you, uh, challenge inside leverage, put your foot in the ground and whip back out to the outside. Waddle runs this one 15 yards down the field. Tua's got a great pocket and rips it right on the upfield shoulder to lead him into nine yards after the catch when there was less than a yard of separation. That's another really good placed football. So a couple of mistakes in the first half in terms of not being decisive on a couple throws that he took sacks on. But again, this tape it looks so good at this point. But then we get interior pressure on third and eight before the Sanders missed field goal. Tyreek is open at the sticks on this play, but Tua has to flush the other side and throws it away. Now we're on to the fourth quarter. I mean, he told us, but he just overshot Tyreek on the first pick. The Packers had that two-man route combo from Tyreek and Jalen boxed in, so it was a very tight window throw. 
but he's made those all year long. This one just sells, and Alexander's able to sit back on it and wait on it because they had two backside defenders walling off those crossers and a middle-of-the-field safety clamping. I thought the next throw to Waddle for 16 was awesome, the, the first throw of the next series. Similar play to the 84-yard touchdown, but this time the backers get depth on that over route. So Tua buys some time and attacks line of scrimmage and throws it so Waddle can get more time to uncover from those guys, develops further, and he throws it up high away from the linebackers, and Waddle climbs the ladder and goes and gets it. A really nice play and a bounce-back throw from the previous throw. I thought the next throw... Going to Trent Sherfield. It was a second and seven play. It was another very nice play. Uh, he throws him away from danger, away from the coverage, away from where the leverage was. Then they get a great pass breakup on a great play by Douglas against Waddle. And then another really nice shot to Tyreek right on the money that allowed him to catch it on the move for 20 more yards. So you're under eight minutes, trailing by three. First and 10 at the 27-yard line. At that point, you're thinking, we're going to rescue this game. For all that the warts we had, we're going to rescue it, especially after the next play where it's second and eight and Waddle uncovers on a slant and takes it down to the 10-yard line. Instead, it's a procedural penalty. He didn't check with the ref to see if he was covering up the tackle. Easy five-yard flag. Move it back to second and 13 from the 30, opposed to the first and goal from the 10. 20 yards lost, then the pick. Two was a catch-rock throw to Raheem, and he's flexed out to the two-receiver position to the strong side of the formation. Ball's in the middle of the field, so there's no field boundary. But Raheem just kept running. Never looked back to the quarterback. Looks like he thought it was a clear-out route. Tua throws it short, and it's right to the linebacker. Personnel-wise, it was a nice look because you have 21 personnel, but went empty. So two backs, one tight end, and nobody behind Tua. And then Ingold motions back in. Durham's the one to the strong side. Ingold and the shotgun with Tua, while Raheem's the two to the strong side of the formation. So the strong side of the formation is literally Durham, Raheem, and Ingold as your eligibles. There was a nice little lane there for Raheem to catch it and run, maybe all the way. I don't know. There was a big uh, spot there for him to run. He never looks back. And it's a great play by Devondre Campbell to follow Tua's eyes to the football. More on that in just a second. Finally, the third one. Tyreek runs a square in. Mike Kosicki runs the flag. That flat corner presses Tyreek, and you see Tua look at him like he says, okay, he's pressing, which means space in behind him is open. Then you try to attack the second level, but the minute Tua comes off of Tyreek, Rasul Douglas falls off. That corner falls off right there, and then the ball was way short of the target. A higher throw, I think Mike could have made a play. Just a really out-of-character quarter from what we come to see from this quarterback for you know three years now. That's the only way I can describe it. I will say this, and this goes back to the Devondre Campbell pick, and I think, you know, McDaniel intimated as much in his postgame presser. Tua's fundamentals got away from him after that first pick. And that's happened a few times this year, right? He's so good at using his eyes to move guys. We rave about it on the podcast all the time. But the Packers play disciplined football and sometimes would not let the cheese, they wouldn't take the cheese. But he still attacked. It's tough because the anticipation is the superpower, but now you're going to have teams probably trying to copy that. And when it's a tight game or he's coming off a mistake, he seems to really press. And his last throw is a good example of that where, dude, it wasn't there. And if it was, like your location was way off. What's going on? That's, that's not who you are. You're better at making better decisions and better accuracy than that. It's a continuation of his mechanics getting bad against pressure last year and putting the ball in harm's way. Like the Titans game, for instance, that was pressure in the pocket and he just continued to lose his fundamentals. He did more of that in this game after some stalled drives. That little flips, you know, pass he had off script that was also nearly picked. It's something to improve upon. And like things aren't always going to go well. So you have to improve those when games are going against you and have that ability to bounce back and come back. Because think about the Ravens comeback. It was all going well in that moment, right? Like he had the two picks early, but when it was 728, he was just rolling and rolling and rolling. He probably felt confident if we can get him playing at that level despite the surroundings. 
we'll be talking. But that's it's one spot that I think is uh, you can look at for improvement. All things told, a lot of good on tape, but a couple of critical errors undoes that, and now he needs to get those corrected and get right back to the blistering pace we've seen most of the year because we need it this week, right now. Let's go ahead and take a break and come back and talk about the rest of the offense. That's next, Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's a Tuesday here on the Drive Time Podcast. We are rolling into segment number two. Uh, Before we look at the defense, let's go ahead and finish up the offense. Receivers Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle continue just to amaze me in everything they do. I talked about the individual plays, but there isn't much to break down here because their release, their timing, their work up the stem, the way they attack blind spots, they, the way they make catches in stride or off frame, it's all so good. Man, that illegal formation call hurt though, man. Like, let's get lined up, right, guys? Because that's that's a killer. But these two guys are the best in the business for my money. Rob Hunt is putting together a really good season. He's moving people wherever he wants with consistency, and he's doing it in every aspect of the position. Go reach a three technique. Go seal the nose guard. Climb to the force linebacker and displace him. He is really, really dang good. Pro Bowl good. There's a Jeff Wilson run to open the third quarter where he pulls and has the force defender all alone. And big offensive linemen miss those blocks in space all the time because it's tough to sprint at 330 pounds, come to balance, and hit a block stationary. Usually, they just run through a spot and try to get in the way best possible. On this play, Rob attacks the outside shoulder, turns him inside, and seals off the lane for Jeff Wilson. He is a great player at this point. Need a one-yard touchdown run? Run it behind 68. Him and Brandon Shell hit a great double team. Then Hunt climbs to the second-level linebacker, takes care of him. You get good dents from Smythe and Long off the edge to create that space as well. But how about Alec Engel blowing up the force defender? Completely decleated him on that touchdown run from Jeff Wilson. Speaking of great linemen, something I've been noticing but haven't mentioned on the podcast, the way Teron sells a certain action, I think, has low-key big impacts on this offense. On an RPO rip to Tyreek, he opens his gate on the first step to match the run action, and the end tries to crash inside, which is where that run gap is developing, but then he opens up the hips, readjusts his landmark, and walls him off. That helps influence those second-level defenders, too, like especially when it's paired with the left guard pulling out of that gap. They're watching the offensive line's movement, trying to figure out the play, and they're selling you know, a bill of goods with those initial movements, and Teron's a big part of that. Those two guys, Teron and Rob, hit key blocks on a 13-yard Mostert run right before the deep ball to Tyreek. The whole play was chef's kiss. Teron has to turn the five technique and hold him for a slow developing inside zone bounce by Raheem. Hunt pulls and swallows up the key linebacker in that B-gap. Smythe has a great seal. Rob Jones and Connor Williams make a great seal at the point with Shell walling off his edge. Hat on a hat. Beautiful. But you get a holding call that I don't know if I agree with on Teron Armstead. Rough game for Connor Williams which I haven't said all year long. He was dispatched in pass pro a couple times, had a killer penalty and a bad snap. Just Kenny Clark got the best of him. Doesn't happen very often, but it did in this game. I thought Durham Smythe had some great key blocks and running plays, had some pass pro gaffes, which are kind of you know a thing week by week at the tight end position here. Um, but he had a really good down block on the first run play of the game. Then the opening play of drive three, he seals a big lane for a Wilson 12-yard run. That first half fumble was such a killer, just an absolute killer. Well-blocked, arm tackle punches it free. 
Raheem, that and the the interception from Raheem, that's he'll he'll worry about those all week long. I'm sure that's two tough plays. I thought the pass pro in general wasn't the standard we've come to expect when we had this lineup in the game. I thought Tua could have gotten the ball out quick a couple of times uh, when there was some plays to be made, but he just didn't. And then the scramble throw to Waddle before the fourth down conversion, immediate pressure forced Tua to find a new platform on that throw. And as a result, he couldn't get it to Tyreek, who was uncovered. Packers front has some dudes, Preston Smith and Kenny Clark in particular, and they were getting in with more frequency than some of the recent opponents we have faced. In, all, in total, I thought you know Durham had a couple of protection breakdowns that killed some plays. Jeff Wilson did, the, did that on the throwaway before the Sanders missed, just completely whiffed a block that would have given Tua a pocket, Tyreek uncovered. you got to make these, these very you know, basic type of blocks. Rob Jones had a bust that led to immediate pressure that forced us to move off the original read. Kenny Clark gave Williams his worst game as a Dolphin. Mostert had some errors. Tua had the two plays where I thought if he had throws before succumbing to pressure, we could have moved the chains. And then Tua had the two really bad picks and then the third one as well. I legit feel this could have been a 40-point output. And now that it's week 16, I'm not going to keep telling you that we're going to get there because these shoot-yourself-in-the-foot errors that's who you are at this point of the year until you prove otherwise. The Dolphins have to get it figured out this week. Let's go ahead and go right over to the defensive side of the football here and start on defense. And honestly, I feel kind of the same way I do about the offense where there were just, they played really well. The tape I thought was good for like three quarters of the game, but there was just a few plays that got away from the defense. And more notably, kind of the story of the year for the defense this season, to me, has been the inability to capitalize on opportunities. You know, third down defense was good in this game. I, I've talked about the situations that they faced in that game on Sunday, and they, those were all tough circumstances they overcame. But the difference to me between this defense this year compared to the last two years was the ability to take the ball away, to convert and finish splash plays that thereby didn't extend drives, got your play count down, got the ball back to the offense more, and obviously improved your field position. Hasn't happened at all this year, and this game was a microcosm of just that. So many balls that were tipped into the air, chance to make a play, an interception that Xavier Howard makes 100 times out of 101. We just so happen to have the 101 time here. All year long, that's been the situation. Rodgers hemmed into the pocket, in the grasp almost, gets out of it and escapes and makes a first down run. Like, all year long it's happening. This tape was more of that too. So as well as the defense played, I'm going to be a little bit critical at times because of those instances. But talk about X-Man, first play of the game. His effort after that long kick return would have been so easy to say, we just started first and goal. Like, they're going to score a touchdown. Let's pack it in. He didn't do that. His effort to the edge and went and took on a pulling right tackle to slow him down. A guy he's giving up more than 100 pounds to. That's teaching tape, man. Great stuff from your captain on the opening play of the game. Then another captain on the second play of the game, Landon Roberts. There's a great pursuit and breakdown of Rodgers in space to get him to the ground. But I loved how once he noticed and he saw it quickly that it was boot action, he got off of the original play action track changed directions, got on his horse, and ran to the spot that Rodgers was trying to get to to make the play. Just a great play from Landon Roberts. Man, they really went after Cater Kohu early in this game. Uh, they ran some plays where it was base personnel, condensed the package, get Miami into that man-free press coverage. They roll the safety away, throw the glance in behind the linebackers, and with that outside leverage, given that inside access, pretty easy to go after those, and they went after Cater. But it's part of the defense here where these corners have to be so perfect against two-way goes really a lot of the time. It's tough for guys to make it happen, but I think Cater's ability to do that all year long has been 
pretty dang good uh, for this season. How about another captain on the next drive, that pop pass that Javon Holland closed down? He makes plays like that all the time, man. He's a big-time hitter, great range, can come from the opposite side of the field, reads the flow of the play here, and knives in through the blockers to cause a loss again on a goal-to-goal situation. There was so many defensive wins early, like the Eric Rowe pass defense in the end zone. We had lost Aaron Rodgers on a third and eight scramble play previously, and that did happen a few times. But Eric Rowe bounces back with a really good tackle after that. Like this, we've played so many elusive quarterbacks where there's good coverage, good rush, moves him off the spot, then he creates a first down by escaping. Feels like it happens once or twice a week, and we just continue to play so many good quarterbacks, man. So many good quarterbacks. But still, like... When the plays are there, finish them. Make the plays that you have opportunities to. So frustrating. And then the touchdown, the first one, Sam Eglavon was totally lost in coverage there. That was you know, a fourth down play that we could have made a, made a stop there and gotten the ball back. The deep shot on Cater Kohu that was converted was really good coverage, but it was a perfect throw. I'm going to tell you why that's important here in just a second. Tip the cap on that one. Because later in the game, you see a non-perfect throw on the fourth down attempt. Such a tough ask. But Cater handled it so well as he has all year. Zero look, fourth and one, that's not uncommon at all. And I've always been a big proponent of the deep ball and short yardage because you don't have to manufacture the deep ball on those situations. Teams will naturally give you a look that gives you some some vertical one-on-one shots, and they got it. But Cater competed the entire way through their best wide receiver for my money and Christian Watson. He was slightly open, but the ball's a tad long. You shorten that window, make them be perfect. Here they weren't. Big win by Cater and not his first of the day. The pick was another sensational play where, again, he's put in a situation where no safety help, cover him on a three-way go. His eyes are back to the football when he made the contact on the wide receiver. So there's no defensive pass interference there, by the way. He has a right to play the football and feel for where the receiver is while he's looking back to the ball. That's how you do it. It's teaching tape. Then he times the leap and catches it at its highest point. I'm excited about Cater Kohu's future, man. What a rookie year he's had. I thought Raekwon Davis got off blocks really well in this game. He doesn't usually get a lot of chances to make like stat type of plays because he so often plays that nose tackle and sees double teams in the run game. But he made some plays in this one, most notably against that fake punt. Just stayed true to his rules, true to his technique, and it led him to a huge play in the game. Andrew Van Ginkle makes plays, man. He got his hands on a pass uh, early in the game. The second play in space on or that play I should say in space on second and goal in the tie game in the fourth quarter was so nice where he came from depth and he just has such spatial awareness you see him kind of feel where guys are in certain zones and like I'm not going to stand here and cover grass I'm going to go find a body he does such a good job of that and then gets downhill and makes tackles in space does anybody fail to finish more sacks in the Miami Dolphins man our pressure rates are so good but like in this game was was really disheartening because there are like Jerome Baker had a run on Aaron Rodgers on the play before they failed fourth down so like it didn't matter in the grand scheme but man the tackle attempt was like a flyby let's finish these sacks Baker Chubb you know a lot of these guys are getting there just got to finish the play speaking of finishing plays Christian Wilkins is unreal man he had a tip ball in the first quarter an immediate one gap win early in the second for a tackle for loss the very next play he gets a free run for a QB hit on Rodgers and forces an incomplete pass on third and short and the reason he had a free run is because his best buddy uh, beats the left guard instantly with a dip and rip move and AJ Dillon crosses the formation to go get him your most immediate pressure which freed up the blitz pickup for Wilkins that wasn't there so he gets a quarterback hit then the first play of the next series Wilkins beats the right guard forces Rodgers off the spot and steps right into a sack of Eric Rowe who went up against Aaron Jones in pass pro and dominated that rep just engaged him threw him out of the club made the sack 
Drive before the end of the half for Christian Wilkins. Another tip pass. Opening play, third quarter. He's playing the four-eye technique away from the play. Comes all the way across the formation, makes the tackle, then tips another pass on the first play after the two interception. Guy's a Pro Bowl player. Probably the best defensive tackle in the NFL this season. His production this year might be DT1. Speaking of Zach Sealer, that third and one stuff was vintage 92, man. Every single week. Then on the opening drive of the second half, second and six, Sealer throws his man all the way out of the club. And then A.J. Dillon tries to stutter step as he sees 92 bearing down. And he trips and falls. And Sealer gets the easiest finish to a TFL he's ever had by kicking the crap out of the left guard. I can't believe X didn't make that pick, man. Tough catch, but man, we got so used to him making tough plays look routine. It was a really nice rep. Eyes to the quarterback, zone turn, butt to the sideline. Feel that vertical route while you're keeping your eyes on the quarterback. Accelerate, high point, make the catch. But then when he pulls it in, his knee knocks it free. Of course it does, because that would have put us right at the plus 40-yard line with 325 to play, up 10 in the first half. We get it back on the next drive, uh, the next drive was the fumble. So it probably changes that entire script because you're in plus territory already. You're one first down away from field goal range and maybe you do fumble it back. Who knows? But that was the whole game. It's hard to keep saying that because it's legit been every loss this year. They're so tough to take these losses as a fan. I can't imagine how it feels for the players, but there, there were like 15 plays in this game where if it goes the other way, Miami wins. Like that's, this was the, the what's the word? The microcosm of the Bengals game that there was a you know player two the Jets game even I know it was 40 to 17 but there were plays in that game where the Sanders missed field goal I still think that game goes differently if it if it that play goes differently the Waddle fumble in the Vikings game the take your pick in the Niners game the Gasicki fourth down catch make that catch and convert did we score a touchdown that drive probably the Chargers game there's multiple instances in that one the Phillips roughing the passer call the Buffalo game do we get the DPI call on Jalen Waddle a million other examples in that game then Green Bay I feel like was the pinnacle of that oh it hurts it really really hurts man okay let's talk some uh, defensive struggles here I'm not sure I understand all the soft and off stuff right on the fringe of field goal range. Right after the Raheem Mostert fumble, you get a miss from Aaron Rodgers on first down. He just spikes a flat throw that was a total miss by the quarterback. But then we give them nine yards by giving away 10 yards of soft coverage for a catch and run on a quick hitter. Easy as you like. They then convert on the third down. Would really like it if Bradley Chubb stops cheating inside on wide runs. He'll kind of swim inside the right tackle or left tackle who then just says, okay, well, I wanted to seal you anyway, so I'll go ahead and pin you and keep you there happens all the time we lose the edge in the run game and give those big runs up we busted really bad on that third and nine from the minus 45 on the Packers opening second half touchdown drive which would have been getting the ball back 20 to 13 middle of the third quarter right that would be pretty great but it didn't happen that way Rodgers gets under pressure and we have Eric Rowe in the middle of the field between the hash marks and Xavier Howard at the numbers both at the sticks 10 yards down the field a tight ends running a crosser Pressure is getting in, and the running back is leaking out as that pressure gets in. X is out wide, Rose inside, and it's zone. It's clearly zone coverage. And X chases the tight end inside, and by the time Rowe sees him going there, he's too late to get back outside, so the back has nothing but green grass. If it's zone, then stay in that spot, or if it's not, tell him, hey, I'm coming across. you got to get wide over here. Take the running back. There's communication there because it was the easiest third and nine conversion you can imagine. It goes for 20 because, again, the back had all the sideline to work with. But if we just stay home or communicate, I don't know the responsibility in the play because I'm not in the defensive call, but you got to get that stop, man. These are the type of things that are maddening and they're happening on both sides of the ball weekly. 
Also, come on, man. Challenge the plays when they're not made. That Lewis catch was not a catch. Let's challenge it. Gosh, Jerome Baker struggled in this game. The rep on the takeoff to Romeo Dobbs might have been the best of Keon Crossan's Dolphins career. Didn't grab him, didn't even engage unless Dobbs did, which he did a couple of times. Stayed right in phase, pinned him to the perimeter. Really nice cornerback play on that particular rep. And man, I forgot about that failed mesh point between Rodgers and A.J. Dillon before their go-ahead field goal. The ball bounces right back to Dillon. Just that kind of game, man. Like, I mean, how many balls we bat in this game? Five or six? Can't get a single one of those to tip up into the air for an interception? All year! You see, you guys see the second down play before two a second pick? Alan Lazar literally throws X to the ground. Like, okay, I, I guess it's not a flag, but it gets them a 25-yard play where nothing else was happening. It would have been a, a sack for sure. It winds up being a 25-yard gain and a huge one for the Packers. Then the next drive, you get them on first and 20, and they spring that big run off the edge. Man, that one hurt. That was just bad discipline, bad fundamentals to lose the edge, and they wiped out three guys with one block as a result. Then Jalen Phillips made two plays to save a late touchdown. Then the third down play after that, getting the guy to the ground to force a field goal. That Those two plays, plus the effort on that trip up on Rodgers on third and long, was some really, really good effort from Jalen Phillips, as we've come to expect every single week. This tape was tough to watch. I'm so glad that I'm through it, but I cannot believe, I can't believe we didn't win that game. <laughs> the, the Dolphins are such a better team and had every chance to win that football game and didn't do it, and I am so, so sad and so upset about it. Gosh, they should have won that football game. Let's go ahead and take... Now, let's go to the stats first. PFF stats. Tua on 20-plus yard air throws. Two for three, 76 yards. 10 to 19, 7 for 11. 190, one touchdown, three picks. Still a 97 passer rating. It was basically a great game marred by three mistakes. In total, 10-yard-plus throws, 9 for 14 for 266, a touchdown, and three picks. They blitzed just twice, and it was Castler Outhouse. One 84-yard touchdown, one intercepted pass. Under pressure, four for six for 113. And a touchdown pass, that's really, really good. Uh, all three picks were without pressure. He was 12 for 19 for 197 and three interceptions when he was kept clean. Waddle and Tyreek had two more huge games. Waddle produced 143 on six targets. That's 23.8 yards per target. Also had 6.22 yards per route ran. Waddle is second in that stat in the NFL from Pro Football Focus at 2.78. He's first with 11.8 yards per target this season. Tyreek had 103 on six targets. That's 17.2 yards per target. He also had 3.96 yards per route ran. Remember, two is really good. On the year in those categories, he's first in yards per route ran at 349, 3.49. And what's really cool about this, nobody else is over three. The next highest is Waddle at 278. And Tyreek is fourth with 10.3 yards per target this season. Two really important stats. Dolphins killing it with those two guys. And the quarterback, by the way, throwing them the football gets credit for that too. The, Quit telling me it's all about the receivers. The quarterback has a big part of that too. Raheem Mostert forced two missed tackles and averaged 3.88 yards after initial contact. We allowed eight total pressures per pro football focus. Armstead, Jones, Williams, Hunt all had one apiece, three from Brandon Shell. But again, I think there was more of a team effort on some of these. Remember how I said we averaged 14 yards per carry behind Rob Hunt last week? 15.5 this week. Defensively, pressures, three for Chubb, two for Phillips, Wilkins, Baker, and Landon Roberts. Three guys had one. Run stops, Holland, Phillips, Wilkins, Raekwon, and Erob all had three. Cater, Sealer, Gink, Baker, and Ero all had two. X had one. Let's go ahead and take the last break right here and come back on the other side and do snap counts from the game. We'll also hear from head coach Mike McDaniel, his Monday afternoon press conference. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year 
by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Back here on a recap Tuesday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Let's real quick go ahead and get into the snap counts here. As you get wire to wire from the offensive line and quarterback, 50 snaps for all those guys. Tyreek was the next highest snap taker. He played 40 snaps. That's 80% of the workload. Waddle played 37. Sherfield was next with 22 and Cedric Wilson with 13. Braylon Sanders had seven snaps in the game. A lot more uh, two back, two tight end personnel in this game because a lot of receiver snaps not that high in this game. Durham led all tight ends with 32 snaps. That's 64%. Gasicki played 12 snaps, and Hunter Long played four. At running back, Jeff Wilson gave you 30. Alec Ingold gave you 27. Mostert gave you 26. Almost a 50-50 split there. On defense, Holland played every snap. Uh, Baker and Kohu played, uh, and Xavier Howard played 97% of the snaps. Christian Wilkins gave you 95% of the snaps again. Sealer played 89%. Those guys are crazy. Phillips played uh, 55 snaps, Rowe 53, Roberts 51, Raekwon gave you 41 snaps off the nose, Van Ginkle gets a nice bump with 33 snaps, Chubb played 28, but he was injured in the game and, and came back, uh, Jenkins played 22, Crossan 18, McKinley 14, Melvin Ingram 13, and then some other guys had single-digit snap counts there. So uh, pretty good workload across the board. Let's go ahead and hear from head coach Mike McDaniel, who addressed the media on Monday afternoon. We start here with coach... And actually, why don't we go ahead and just finish up here with some injury updates, as I'm sure you all saw by now, that Tua Tungavailoa will enter the concussion protocol this week. No timetable on the return or how he'll progress through that, of course, as all uh, turns over to the medical professionals and the doctors to make that decision on when he's ready to return to play again. So if it's not him, we'll get Teddy Bridgewater on Sunday against the Patriots. Uh, we'll keep you guys abreast of all that situation. Moving forward here as the Dolphins look to get a big win Sunday and Foxborough. Let's go ahead and call it a podcast right there. I'm going to just go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, if you want to find Mike McDaniel's full media availability, go ahead and check out the team YouTube channel. In the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Follow on Twitter at Wingful NFL. Follow the team, Miami Dolphins. Fish Tank Podcast, the international podcast here on the network. And also go ahead and check out, again, that YouTube channel for full media availabilities from the coaches and players on your Miami Dolphins. And, of course, last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline and Cameron. Daddy's coming home.